This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Greetings and welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show, where we explore the intricate world of love and relationships. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, the creator behind Single in the City, helping people find love for over 21 years. Dealing with infidelity in relationships is always tough. Can it be worked through? Well, today we have Dr. Monique Thompson with us. She's a real experienced mental health counselor, especially when it comes to infidelity. She's been doing this for 21 years as well. (laughs) Uh, She's also written a really uh, helpful book called The Infidelity Recovery Workbook for Couples. It's full of exercises and tools to help rebuild relationships. And tonight we're going to talk about infidelity. We'll try to understand why it happens, how to recover, and how to build things back up. We'll also clear up some common misunderstandings. Dr. Thompson uh, will also give us some good advice on moving forward and healing. And I just want to welcome Dr. Thompson to the show. Hello. Would you like me to call you Dr. Monique or Dr. Thompson? You can call me Dr. Monique or Monique. Or Monique. Okay. Hey. Hey, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. Yes. This one should definitely be an interesting one. Uh, Okay, let's start off with uh, people cheat for various different reasons. It's not a one size fits all situation. And each person's situation is very unique. And there's no one explanation for why infidelity occurs. Can we discuss the psychological factors that often lead to infidelity in relationships? Um, so I would say if we're looking at the psychological factors, um, I one want to acknowledge that the field of understanding humanity obviously is ever evolving. We learn more and more and more and more as we go, right? Um, so two factors I want to get everybody to think about. One is nature, the other is nurture. And because of the comments that I hear in therapy sessions, you know, well, I my my father cheated on my mother. I grew up seeing people do this, um, or so many people do it in our society. Or um, being curious about certain opportunities that people see through social media that they were never exposed to before, so they have interest in things that they never even had thought of. So there's that nurture option that, of considering what factor is involved. If you never thought about this because you've never heard of it. Would you ever have done it? Um, once upon a time, you couldn't. Who were you going to send a sex text message to? You couldn't, and you didn't have it. I mean, there was no option for that particular thing. So some of it is the nurture, is the environment, and then there's nature. Um, are we built a certain way to seek pleasure, to seek excitement, um, to avoid pain? And yes, of course, we, of course, we know these things because of what we completely understand about how the body works, how the brain works. Um, so then we say, well, if someone is is in a monogamous relationship, where they have a commitment to not cheat, what would make that person cheat in the first place? And now we have this enormous, multi-tiered, complex pie that when you get close to it, it looks more like a tapestry. Um, So for any individual person, we enter into a 
lifelong pursuit of understanding on why, what are all the factors, what are all the reasons why I might have made this choice? And then I would say another big factor is before I made the choice. So I would invite your listeners to think about before a person makes the decision to cheat, they've had a long opportunity to consider this choice. And why did they choose action instead of avoidance? So it's true that all of, all of us have, you know, interests and curiosities and think about things, but we don't all take the action, right? So then we say, what's the difference between someone who takes the action, who actually cheats, and the person who thought about it but did not? And are they both guilty of cheating? And my philosophy about it is, no, the person who thought about it and didn't do it, it's not guilty. I believe the person who did, who thought it about it and did it now bears some weight of working through some dynamics in the relationship that they they brought this event to the relationship. And now you have this really painstaking experience of ownership, responsibility, that kind of thing. So what are the factors? One, the environment to the person, biologically speaking. But then when we look at each individual, we see, I mean, just multiple tiers, multiple reasons. You know, you look at even things like epigenetics, where we understand now that some of your response to your environment is genetically predisposed by the generation before you in your heritage. You, this never happened to you. So Holocaust victims their offspring demonstrate some of the same behavioral responses to the environment where well, the kids didn't experience the Holocaust. But the science says, well, but they're responding to the environment in such a way. Why? And so some of the factors have nothing to do with the person necessarily, but with heritage too. So it's very complex. Very, I, I love the, um, the pursuit, the labyrinth pursuit of doing this work though. Um, now, amazing answer, by the way. <laughs> Now, are the reasons for infidelity different when it comes to men and women? Because what my experience has taught me and, and what I've studied is that men may cheat for various different reasons, of course. But, you know, a lot of the times it's because they're looking for a variety. And on the other hand, some women may be more prone to cheating when their emotional needs aren't being met. Yeah, well, so then we get to how do we define the cheating then, right? So if we're saying that the emotional need, the emotional connection is what is, when we say, what what does that look like then? Is it cheating if you go um, constantly to someone else for emotional support? If you're who I call when I have a bad day, if you're who I come and talk to about what's going on in my life, if you're the first person to know that I got fired, you know, if you're the first person I call if my mother dies, do I have an emotional connection with you that would be considered cheating? Is my spouse feeling left out? I would say that there are common, there are more common factors than different factors. Um, and some of the common, one of the common factors that I see across the board is um, people having great difficulty with expressing their conflicting needs. If you're in a, really, you know, significant, emotionally intense, intimate relationship. I don't know about you. You probably have like these beautiful relationships. My, my husband, I call him Big Daddy Wonderful. I'm not dog. perfect. 
Yeah. <laughs> I need to be reminded of things sometimes. Oh, okay. I'm not perfect. And yeah, and and, and uh, I hope that list are the listeners all adults. Is everybody grown? <laughs> this is the adult content right now, right? So we jokingly <laughs> well, say to each other, if you haven't said some things to your spouse, and in the moment you meant what you said, <laughs> you meant exactly what you said. If you haven't had to drive around the block a couple of times going home, you might not be married. You might not even be in a relationship if you don't have those kind of conflictual feelings from time to time. And then you work through them, right? But that is what I would say is a challenge between all, all you know, non-binary, binary, ac across the spectrum. How do I get my needs met when even I am conflicted about my needs, including my sexual ones. So although it may be that men say sexual and women say emotional, but it's a need nonetheless. And how do you express to your partner a conflict where I love you and I feel like sometimes I'd be okay if you went and stayed in Europe for about six months. <laughs> I would be fine. You're healthy. <laughs> you know, so I know we, you know, we want a little boxed answer, but I'm telling you, I think it's it's the human desire to feel trusted and be trustworthy. And sometimes, honestly, you don't care because you're just put out with things. And how do you communicate? How do you communicate with your spouse? That I want to have sex with you, but sometimes when we're having sex, I think about other people. How do you how do you say that? You know, if I realize I'm not going to have sex with other people, do I ever tell you that that I was thinking about other people? What do I do with that? It doesn't start that way, but maybe it ends up being that way because people get complacent in relationships. They get bored. They don't change things around. You know, if something's getting stagnant, then then do something different. Role play. I don't know, but you're right. It's all about communication, and I find that people they don't communicate their needs. And these things need to be communicated early on to see if you have that sexual component. Early, early and often. Right. Yes, early and often. That's what Godman is saying to us, right? Early and often. Don't think you talked about it four years ago and we never did speak of it again. Early yeah. and often. And then mm -hmm. your needs change. Like you once upon a time, you needed it all the time. And now you're okay with once a week or you're okay with once a day. And you're not suffering from it. But your partner may say, remember what we used to have sex like two or three times? What happened to that? You know, and you're like, you know, my, I changed. And it's not because I don't even care about you. I just changed, you know. Well, I feel like a lot of women in relationships, and I'm only speaking about women because I am okay. a woman. But we okay. tend to get, yeah, and, and just because we tend to get unsatisfied by our be, our uh, partner's attitude or, um, yeah, the way that they they treat us or... Um, and I feel like that sometimes complicates things because when I feel like, for instance, my in my past relationships, if my partner wasn't, um, you know, paying attention to my needs and wants, that causes a little bit of, well, a little bit of resentment for me. And then I may not want to have sex with him. Right? Mm -hmm. Not about the makeup sets. I'm more mm -hmm. about like, okay, you didn't show up for me. You're not showing up for me. You're not making me feel wanted. You're not making me feel special. Well, why would I want to have sex with you? Makeup sex is kind of fun though. Okay, but that's you, Dr. Monique. I don't yeah, like I'm saying it can be, can be fun. It can be fun, but it also can be non-consensual. And in relationships, sometimes you have to exceed the person's ability to be authentic in conflicting needs is the key here. Can you say to the person, I don't want to have sex with you right now. 
Can you put those magic words at the end of the sentence right now? Can you put the word, the other magic word, sometimes, sometimes I don't want to have, I don't want to do, you know, the word sometimes. And can we wrap in the word right now into those conversations to communicate more authentic, you know? Yes. Yeah. We, we, you know, we got into some of the psychological aspects of infidelity in this segment. And after the break, we're going to discuss practical tools and exercises for couples dealing with betrayal. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, and we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Monique Thompson, sorry about that, about navigating infidelity. Okay, uh, Dr. Monique, what are some common signs that someone may be prone to infidelity? Lying. Um, literally lying to yourself, lying to other people. Uh-huh. When you when you struggle with, and I know this seems it's it's what I call a sud, a seemingly unimportant decision. When you struggle with somebody says, "Well, what do you want to go for vacation?" and you you give in constantly. You're just constant. You're not ver- verbalizing. You're not communicating your words. Those magic words sometimes and right now. But right now, I don't want to talk about it because I'm busy. Instead of saying, "Well, I don't care," I don't care wasn't true. The more true statement was, I'm busy right now and I need to think about it later. Right now is not a good time. Those magic words. Or, you know, someone says, well, I I don't even trust my husband. Well, is that really true? Or do you mean sometimes I don't trust him or I don't trust him on getting the kids out the door? But really, that's more about me trusting that things will be OK if we're not perfectly on time. You know, that deep self-awareness. So those are some things that I encourage people to look for in yourself. So let me be clear. You can't know if someone else is prone, but you can know your own propensities and your boundary is with yourself. There's a beautiful story that I like to share and it is by permission. Um, this is a kind of from a long time ago, but they were really trying to figure out whether or not they were going to have an affair. And they we spent, I want to say almost a year in therapy, just processing it, unpacking it. And in the end, what their decision was, was not to have the affair. But the reason for not having the affair was I can't bear the thought of someone being in the same room with my partner and knowing this about me and being in their face. I don't think I can bear that. That was their need to not be in that kind of a conflict. And their reason for not cheating was because of their truth. And that is what I say about the risk of infidelity is a person who is unwilling to sit with your conflicted feelings and your conflicted thoughts and actually work it through until you come to your actual final truth. But I don't I, I noticed that people will make a snap judgment that's overconfident and it was just a lie in the first place. Um I can text this person and it's not going to go any further than this. I can go, what's wrong? What's the harm in a dinner? Um, I'm attracted to them, but I'm not that attracted to them. Um, I would never, all these never are. tell my partner that. I would never say this to my partner. I'm attracted to them, but I'm not that attracted to them. That would just spark jealousy in my partner. Possibly. I wouldn't do that. 
Possibly, but if you can be honest about those things, that why do you even have to talk about it? Like, why do you, would you even have to bring that up? If you want to bring it up. dinner and I have to turn you want, around. You want to bring it up. So Dear Peggy, there's, there's a lady, her, she's passed away now, but she had a, um, a site called Dear Peggy, Peggy Vaughn. And she um, did kind of a convenient sample of research on just your very question. And what she noticed um, was in, in over time, those couples who were able to verbalize these dark moments, this conflict, and work through them, lower their risk. It's but the, that's if they if they acknowledge that there's an issue with it. If someone's just sitting at dinner and saying, "Oh, I find that a woman's attractive over there, but not that attractive," like why would you even need to say that? You well, I don't. I can't predict unless you're attempted. I I can't predict that future, but I think it is um, a internal lie to say that my partner is never attracted to anybody but me. Oh, I know. I just think it's yes. something that it's, it's it shouldn't be talked about. I don't know. Not within my relationship. We don't talk. Gotcha. 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 Well, we were talking about what, what, we, what do we think, you know, is a person's increased risk for cheating. And yes. some of the um, challenge here is it is such an individualized scope in the first place. Mm-hmm. So what would, increase one person's risk may not increase the other person's risk. Overall, the degree to which a person can be genuine and authentic and self-aware with his or her or their self aids in the decision-making about living authentically with your own personal truth. What you might consider if you are having lots of thoughts about other people is an internal question of, why am I having this thought? And then asking yourself why at least five times, you know, why am I having thoughts about this person? Why that particular person? Why now? You know, why not my partner? You know, yeah, kind yeah. Of push, constantly pushing yourself to self-explore. And then you may find it. Really, the reason why is because I've been ready to leave this relationship for at least five years. And I need to make plans for a peaceful exit. And it's not something my partner did. It's just I've been ready to go for five years. Or it mm-hmm. may be I need sex and I need good sex way more often than we're having good sex. And now these fantasies are reminding me that I need to work on that. And who knows what that might be. But the key part is for the person to be genuinely, authentically, um, excruciatingly honest with his or her or their self. Mm-hmm. Now, in a recent study, 2023, published in isstudies.org, they found that 20% of married men had cheated on their spouse at least once in their relationship, compared to only about 13% of married women. And 53.4% of affairs occur when with somebody that you know very well. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this information shows us that obviously, you know, cheating and fidelity is not uncommon. Now, if someone is a victim of infidelity, what should they do, Dr. Monique? Um, well, first I would challenge, yeah, I would challenge victim as the... Other than wanting to, you know, strangle <laughs> your partner. <laughs> I, would, but I would say, I, I tend to say the betrayed partner. Because um, one of us did something... I'm talking the about the one that has been been betrayed, yes. What yeah, the one that's been betrayed. And and well, I mean, when you get into it, you're like, well, did this person, are they quote unquote innocent? Is the other person's infidelity one of the marks of this toxic relationship? And the other person has some of the other marks. We don't know, right? But let's say that this person is minding their own business. <laughs> minding their own business. They find out their partner has been 
cheating on them, what should they do? Let's just kind of make a, a scenario box here. Um, one is I encourage people to take as much time as you need, minimally, minimally 30 days to literally just calm down. This is a shock to your whole system. This is fire. This is the ninth floor of a fiery building. You don't know the exit. You don't know how to get out of it alive. So the first thing I recommend people do is exit the burning building first. Get yourself to a place where you can trust your thoughts. 100% you want to feel peace about you trusting your thoughts, not about you trusting what that person is saying to you. This is not the time for you to make a major decision. It is the time for you to find a space where you can quietly, productively think. And I encourage people not to trust your thoughts for about 30 days because you're actually still in a period of discovery. You only found out about whatever you just saw. You don't even know what else there is to discover. So calming all the way down so we can get out of this fiery building, that is the first thing to do. Okay, now what if you don't want to break up the family. You've been cheated on and you want to keep the family together. And maybe you're taking some accountability in this situation. You want the relationship to work. What practical tools can couples use to navigate the aftermath of infidelity? Can you tell us some of the things that maybe you, uh, you know, you have in your book? Yeah. First thing, don't make any decision. Actually, the book is about not making a decision until you are calm. The whole book is about you are not ready to make a decision. You're probably not ready to make a decision. This is about the process of having either a peaceful exit or reconciliation. And you can't know that at the very beginning. You can't know that on day one. That is impossible. And I say that with 100% certainty from over two decades. Of, there's discoveries that you make even about yourself. You you haven't even discovered yourself. You may find out that you, like you said, I, I want to make sure my family stays together. And then you realize, why do I, why do I want this family? Because actually the family and the marriage that led up to that affair, you don't want that to continue. That marriage needs to go into a graveyard because it was leading up to this event. And you have, you, you have to pause for a minute and consider even yourself. So number one is don't make a decision for a period of time. That is your first choice is to, I'm not making a decision to stay I'm not going to make a promise to stay and I'm not going to make a promise to leave for a period of time. If you have children, I encourage you to try to find a place for a year minimum to sit in this process. If you don't have children, you're cohabitating, maybe you're not married, then 30, 40 days to decide if you want to try or not. But if you have an actual, you're a family, you're married, you got kids then you want to honor that system by giving yourself time to process and unpack. Because at the end of that year, now you figured out, genuinely figured out through lots of work. I think we can try this again. We can try, we can try to, we can go, we can move into a new house together. We can rebuild. Or you figured out that, you know, actually I do trust that you won't ever cheat again. I don't trust that I'll ever actually reconcile with you and trust you and forgive you. So we still can't make it. So there is those challenges. The first stop, wait to make a choice for a certain period of time. If you have kids, a year. If you don't have kids, a shorter period of time. But your first choice is how long am I going to 
give myself to be in the ICU, to step down to, you know, just critical care unit, to step down to another, to finally be able to get out. You know, that's what we're doing. It's time for us to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to chat more about relationship recovery after infidelity. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night. I'm Laura Bellotta. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Monique Thompson on the road to recovery after infidelity. Okay, um, great conversation so far. Lots of valuable tips that you are uh, giving us. What other advice do you have for couples considering rebuilding their relationship after infidelity? Okay. Um, Number one is define rebuild. Um, People sometimes flush in together forgiveness, trust, and reconciliation. You can forgive someone and never trust them again. Easy example I use in my practice is emotional credit. If this has happened, there's emotional bankruptcy. They're bankrupt. You can forgive the debt, but you're not going to extend more credit to somebody who has bankrupted you, right? So Mm -hmm. that's where trust rebuilds. You say, well, how do I rebuild trust? One step at a time, one conversation at a time, one moment at a time, literally almost like the 12-step programs, ODAT, one day at a time. It is quite literally very similar to the 12 steps traditions where it is one day at a time. The person who um, caused this emotional bankruptcy is going to have to prove themselves credit worthy for more emotional credit. So you're not going to now reissue, you know, a black card, emotional black card where you get an unlimited balance and you can, you know, have fun with that. No, that's over. That's ruined. So now we say, how do you rebuild credit? Well, Following those same traditions, the person who was betrayed has their work to do and the person who committed the infidelity has their work to do and then together they have work to do. So there's three things happening all at the same time and it's your business to take care of your business. It's their business to take care of their business Mm -hmm. and then it's the two of you is your business to do your work as a, as a unit. Here's some warnings though. I'm gonna, and this is difficult for me to acknowledge as a warning because I try to be, I am to me one of the most non-judgmental people in the world. But you have to accept that you cannot do that kind of work as a unit. If all you feel is hostility. If you, all you feel is hostility, then you're still in your individual work and they're in their individual work. Mm-hmm. And that's, just takes Point. as long as it takes, you know. So if you're trying to rebuild, you want to take an approach that is peaceful, meaning it is it is uh, honorable to the time. You know, if you've been married 20 years and you find that this person has been cheating, there's no way you're going to rebuild that in five months. That That's not even reasonable to expect, Right. Five years, somebody cheating, see you later. Maybe if it was a one-off, but if somebody had a full-blown relationship with someone, sorry, that does not warrant me getting back together with you. Possibly, but I would say, uh-huh. go, in, go in. If you're saying I want to rebuild, you're saying, this is what I think I want to do. And those magic words, you know, sometimes and even right now, 
and you want to, if you're talking about rebuilding, the door has to stay open to, I changed my mind. So <laughs> you're saying to this person, yeah, I, right now, I want to rebuild. I yeah. might change my mind. Yeah. And you give yourself that option. You you use time to your advantage instead of disadvantage by not nailing yourself to the wall and saying, I don't want to ever be with you again. I'm done. I can't believe you did this. You give yourself time to say, I right now, I don't ever want to be with you again. And I can't believe you did this. And right now, that's how I feel. So while I feel this way, you really do need to be at a different address, zip code, possibly another country. You need to be far, far away from me. I need to be far, far away from you. But I reserve the right to change my mind. The yeah. person who cheated has an obligation that is different from the person who was betrayed. Yeah. Everything. And if I can just add to that, too, is uh, before we move on to the next question is uh, rebuilding trust means keeping promises as well and being reliable. So if you say you're going to do something, do it and then learn from what happened and figure out why it happened and then try to avoid the same things happening again. You got to work on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. We probably, yeah, I expand. We, we can do a whole show on that question. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can do a whole show on that. Cause I, right. I appreciate it was, you know, very clearly, um, you know, succinctly put, I would want to expand it to say you, you have to allow yourself to evolve as a thinking and intelligent being. And sometimes yes. what you discover is you contributed to someone's demise in a way that can never be repaid. And your most honorable thing to do is for you to leave. In other words, you do this to somebody, they find out and they say to you, I want to work this out. And you say, you know, actually, the most honorable thing I can do is leave you. I need to leave you alone. Because you have a reasonable expectation that I will never fail to tell you where I am. I won't ever do so. And it's a reasonable expectation, but I know I'm not going to meet that expectation. And so the person who committed the infidelity owes, as far as rebuilding, they owe that person the honor of saying, I'm out. Instead now, of getting to be kicked out. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Now, when someone you trust cheats on you, it really hurts a lot. It's and it's okay to feel angry, sad, confused. And I feel that getting support is crucial. You definitely want to talk to friends, family, a counselor, you don't want to do this on your own. Yeah. Um, and you need to be selfish as well and take care of yourself and find ways to keep busy by doing the things that you really, really enjoy. Can you share some other tips for personal healing and self-discovery after experiencing infidelity? Personal healing, self-discovery. I would, I would do this Talking it out, talking it out, crying it out, dealing uh, with it. You know, don't. I, I, here's here's what I actually literally in every day clinical practice do, I encourage yes. people to choose what time you're going to cry. So in a 24 hour day, pick a date, put it on your calendar. Oh, I love this. I've never heard this one. Time. Choose what time you're going to have a full meltdown. I'm going to have a full meltdown from four okay. o'clock to four fifteen. During right. that time, have a playlist ready to play. Listen <laughs> to that music because your brain knows when the music is going to stop. And when it's time to stop, stop. Clock back into everyday life. Take care of your life. Be busy. Go to work, take care, go back into normalcy, but schedule the appointment for the very next day, whatever time works for you. Keep the appointment, start it on time, end it on time. You're training the brain that these dualities can exist. I can both 
stop and have a full meltdown where I'm screaming, I'm crying, I'm blaming myself, I'm blaming them, I'm blaming the world. And then it, when, the, when the alarm sounds, I put the Kleenex away, I clock back in, I drive, I go, I handle business, and I do it again every day. That's what I recommend immediately that people do. Um, and I'm sure you have some other tips, but uh, we need to take a quick break. Yes. And after the break, we're going to debunk common myths about infidelity and more. We'll be back. Yes. Listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's the Dating and Relationship Show here on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, continuing our discussion with Dr. Monique Thompson. Let's get back to it. All right, before the break, you were sharing some tips for personal healing and self-discovery after experiencing infidelity. Do you have any more that you'd like to share with us? Before we um, go on to the next question. Yes, yes, real a, a, two, just two real, 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 real okay. quick. Okay. Um, one is as much as you can spend time in nature outside. Try to do the thinking about the event outside versus inside. And here's why. Outside in nature, you as a human naturally have a natural decrease in cortisol. If you're taking a walk, you he you are even more efficient in handling your stress response. So during your thought time about this, try to be outside, try to be moving so that you can be efficient in the thought and healthy from thinking about it versus inside, you tend to ruminate, you tend to um, experience um, saturation, and it kind of creates a trigger for you of being in your own home. So you want to try to take it outside, go for a walk as long as you need to walk, and you'll notice that after those kinds of walks, you're refreshed instead of exhausted. So those are the two things you can do. Beautiful. Now, the dating world is full of individuals that have a hard time trusting again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after being in certain relationships. So let's just say, you know, you're one of those people or I was one of those people. Things didn't work out for me. Now I'm back out in the dating world and I have a hard time trusting. Mm -hmm. And it's an issue in, in my future relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, how can individuals open themselves up to trusting again in future relationships? Well, who are you trying to trust? Remember, you pulled up the statistics. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm just well, talking hypothetically. No, I'm saying this is part of my response. Who are you trying to trust? When you say you want to trust again. So the statistics are clear. The majority of relationships are at some point in their lifetime going to experience this event. So when you're introducing yourself back into the dating world and you're saying, I can't, I don't feel like, the person that you're actually needing to trust is you. Trust your instincts. When yes. you have a bad feeling, pause. Give it a little time. Put time back on your side. There is no rush for you to start having a committed relationship with somebody. If you've got a little antsy feeling, give yourself the gift of time. Slow down while you're checking, your, while you're trusting you. And if they say, well, I don't think you trust me, you can be honest with them and say, actually, it's that I'm learning to trust myself and my instincts. Are, I'm trying to listen to them and give my instincts time to communicate with me. So that's what you can do, which allows you to rebuild the most important relationship that you have, which is your relationship with yourself. So that's what I would say a person might want to start with. Now, wonderful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I just, you know, I, I just feel like that is one of the biggest issues with dating today is that people don't do the work. Um 
from their past relationships that don't take the time out and then they just jump into new relationships. And they, you're right, Dr. Monique, they don't work on themselves and you are the most important person because if you're not healthy, then you're not going to be attracting healthy relationships into your life. You're going to be, if you're like um, dating and you're, you know, in a toxic state, you're going to be tra- attracting more of that. I don't know. We probably differ there because I believe that the toxicity people, I mean, they having babies right now that nobody need to ever trust. They populate the earth and they're in every country, every corner of the world. So you can't get away from them. And you yourself, you know, you're going to have this darkness around you, but are you the light? So yes, the dating field is full of darkness and it always has been that way. Infidelity is nothing new. It's been here since the dawn of man. So has the darkness always been there? Yes. But what do you bring to yourself? You bring light. So if you're choosing, I am bringing light to myself. Inside of myself, there is light because I can trust my instincts. I can trust my thoughts because I know how to remain calm when I'm in a tense situation. Then when I'm next in a dating relationship, I can trust that my instincts are going to pick up on some things that seem awful. I notice that I need to have communication more often. This person never calls me back. I don't like that. Well, who do I need to be talking to? Myself. I need to tell myself, self, you don't like it when people don't text you back. So move forward. And the person says, well, what do you need from me? You say, actually, I don't need anything from you. My boundary is not with you. My boundary is with me. If I don't like chicken, I need to get out of the line where they're selling chicken and go over where they're selling fish. But that requires me to be honest with myself that I am in the wrong line. And how do I know I'm in the wrong line? Because while I'm sitting in the drive-thru, I say, you know what? I don't even want chicken today. I don't want fish. That required me to be honest. I don't even want another relationship right now. I just want to be by myself. Or I am ready for another relationship. Even though it seems like it's been a short period of time since I broke up with Bill. Bill had been on my nerves for a long time. I gave it a good try. And I'm ready to try things with Sam. And I just have a good feeling about Sam. And you can trust it. I have had work with people who got married after knowing each other for one week. And it worked out. And I have had work with clients who were together for over 30 years and it it was a flop. So there's no real magic math on the amount of time. The real magic is you being able to hear your own heart whisper and y'all talk to each other. You and yourself, me, myself, and I have a strong relationship, then you probably can fool me sometimes. But if that instinct tells me, you know that you can't trust them, then I can use time to my advantage and just slow things down. Now, from your experience as a therapist, uh, would you say once a cheater, always a cheater? Oh. Because I had another therapist on the show mm-hmm. and she said, like, you know, I hate to say so, but in most cases, yes. No. They cheat well, I mean, once, she, then they Well, I don't know. I don't know what kind of work again. she did because I'm going to tell you this. So I've been doing this for a long time, since I was 15, first of all, since I was okay. 15. I'm in my 50s. And I've been doing this since I was since I was 15. And I have had an amazing experience daily of seeing miracles. I haven't lost anybody, a single client. And I'm booked solid every single day. I have plenty of complicated cases, people who would have otherwise, I don't even know if they'd be here. And they're here. So I don't know what approach to there. I can't speak. I don't know them, but I know me and I know my work. And I know that it is not my magic wand. It's that people, I mean, that's the whole point of the field of behavioral health science is change. So if I come to the experience saying once a cheater, always a cheater, what the hell are we doing here then? 
What's right. the point of the session? And one last quick question here. Do you think someone should be forgiven for cheating? They can be forgiven. They may not need to be trusted. But yes, they can be forgiven, but they may not need to be trusted. Okay. Yeah. I'm still going to file an insurance claim. You hit my car and you, I see that you were distracted. And I understand that you, you had your kids pulling your hair and you were trying to calm down, Billy. Oh, I understand. And I can forgive you. But I'm still filing an insurance claim against your insurance. And I expect them to fix my car back to the station that it was when I got hit. I still okay. expect recompense. So, yes, they can be forgiven, but they need to make amends. They need to reconcile. And as you mentioned, and we've been talking about, they need to do the work internally to actually be trustworthy. And even then, the other person can say, I changed my mind. I just don't want to give you any emotional credit. I'm not willing to take that risk, even though you're trustworthy. I don't want to give you that opportunity and we should be able to peacefully coexist in that decision. Dr. Monique, thank you so much for your time today, all the wonderful information. And thank you everybody for tuning into the dating and relationship show as well. Um, where can people get a hold of you if they want information, more information? It's obvious that, you know, you, you help people with this every single day. How can they connect with you? Dr. Monique, M-O-N. I-Q-U-E, Dr. Monique Thompson, T-H-O-M is in Mary, P is in Paul, S-O-N as in son, drmoniquethompson.com. Yes. And at Expert Mental Health on social media. Yes. Miss Laura, I want to tell you, thank you though. You're fire. Spice. I'm over here sweating. So I, <laughs> you guys can't see her. She is so calm. She's asking these dagger level questions. And she's cute as can be and has her makeup and lipstick on. I just, I have to tell you, I admire that. You're, you, you, you're <laughs> wonderful. I pre so I appreciated this today. This is fun for me to do. Oh, we'll do it again I because there was a lot of information that we didn't oh, get to. There's you, a man. lot. So it, we, we need to unpack this in like three hours, to be honest. And you can follow me on TikTok or uh, Instagram, official Laura Balad. And of course, you can always come back to the Global News Radio website if you want to listen to this show or any other past shows again. Ciao for now, guys. Bye. Thank you.